Listener Production. I acknowledge the lands and waters of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to their ancestors past and elders present. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent has never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers. Welcome, this is Black Matters, a podcast that is about First Nations matters and why they matter. I'm Teela Reid, First Nations advocate, lawyer, and proud Wiradjuri and Whalewan woman. And I am joined by my long-term friend, MC, who has been off for just a little while. Welcome him to fatherhood. You, 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 your mom. <laughs> it's good to be back. And he's back with us today. If this is your first time joining us on Black Matters and you're wondering who I am or why we spell it B-L-A-K, go back and check out our previous episodes. Now, this is a very historic episode of Black Matters because we have got our first return guest, which is very exciting, Tila, which means we didn't completely offend her and turn her away the first time she was on the podcast. Not only is she our first return guest, she was our first ever guest oh, on Black Matters. Wow. So this is extra <laughs> duper, super exciting. Uh, she, when you think of journalists, presenters in this country, she sits at the absolute top of the pile. And last time we spoke to her, she was just awarded an Order of Australia. She's back with us today. We are super excited to have her. Proud Wajuk and Noongar woman, it's Narelda Jacobs. Thanks what for coming back. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realise I was the first returning guest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. And you have been travelling around Australia for the last few months with our good friend JPJ from NITV's The Point Referendum Road Trip, which has been all about informing Australians on the referendum, and also from First Nations perspectives. Mm. How have you found that? And what are the conversations that are being had around the country? Well, as John Paul Janke did some calculations, we've travelled over 36,000 kilometres this wow. year. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, we've gone from everywhere from the, the uh, Thursday Island in the Torres Strait to Roeburn in, in the Pilbara. We've been to every state in the country. We've been to Bruni Island, uh, Tandania, Adelaide. I've spoken to First Nations people about issues relating to them and issues of national significance you know, they're, they're talking about the, the issues that are, that relate to them, but they will feed into what is the voice to parliament. So those issues are, are actually national issues. So it's it's been really great to to get um to get the pulse of the country. I think that that's how I describe it. We're we're getting a read of of the pulse and where people are at. In all of these conversations that you've been having, in all these kilometres that you've been covering, you know, going across the map, is are you surprised by anything by by what you're hearing by the conversations that you're having? Um, no, there have been no surprises. Um, I think it's uh, confirmed for me a few things, is that when you're talking to First Nations people about the voice to parliament, it is so nuanced. I mean, we all, always knew that it was nuanced. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. you can't, you've got to go beyond the headline. So, you know, we the, the headlines frame people whether they're yes or they're no, whether they're in the black sovereignty movement or whether they're a progressive no, whether they're a racist no. Um, and so you can't, believe what you read. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you need to <laughs> you need to have the time to yarn with people because what the headline might read as being a no is them saying it doesn't go far enough. You know, I I want more from the voice to parliament. But when you when you really sit and yarn with them, they are they'll tell you, I'm gonna vote yes. 
But I'm still going to hold this voice and the government to account because I know that what we need to to bridge the gap of disadvantage is so much more. And so I will keep fighting for that. But in the meantime, I'm going to vote yes. You know, so so they're the sorts of things that I have discovered. It's not so much I've realised that, you know, I heard it for the first time. It's it's almost confirmation of what I believe that you can't you can't trust what you read. Totally. And I think we've seen the worst of Australian mainstream media. I feel so fortunate as a First Nations person having you guys on the road and engaging in those conversations every week. I've recommended it to so many non-Indigenous friends as well, the road to the referendum Mm. on NITV. And we know as Blackfellas, there are so many nuances among our communities and everyone wants what is best for our people. And there's been extremely diverse opinions uh, in this conversation that you have witnessed traveling the country. You've heard some compelling arguments from those who support the voice, including elders like Uncle Charlie Jackson. You know, working in uh, Aboriginal Affairs for well over 50 years now, I've actually been subject to at least a minimum of 10, maybe 12 policies that government has introduced to try and close the gap for Aboriginal people. Whoever goes into government can actually wipe those policies by the stroke of the pen. So when we as the ones who are supposed to be receiving those policies, when we get used to it, then all of a sudden it's been thrown out. Mm. So in other words, how can you close the gap mm. for Aboriginal people when you continue re- uh, introducing new policies after new policies? Mm. And arguments from those like actor and activist Natasha Wanganin. Yeah. I'm the only person sitting here representing sovereignty and the other side of the no campaign because I realised that that has been hijacked massively. Just over 97% of non-Indigenous Australians are going to vote on us. I think that's racist. I think it's, it's, not, it's not respectable considering everything we've gone through as a people in this country. Has it been challenging to hold space in some of these diff- disagreements, if you will, difficult conversations? Because it certainly hasn't been, as you suggested, Kumbaya, we're all on the same page. Has it been tough at times? Yes. It, uh, um, it's sometimes... Because of the headlines and because of the idea of who we think a person is, there's everyone is a little bit anxious when they arrive at a, a recording. And then Blackfell Away, you know, we, we know each other. Like we, we know people, we have people in common. Um, we have family stories that go back that connect us. And so once you establish that connection, like Natasha Wanganine was a prime example. I know of her as being one of the staunchest people in this country, you know, that, and, and I told her in this, in this episode in Adelaide that my memory, my strongest memory of Natasha is standing at one of the Cassius uh, Turvey vigils. Yes, I was the there. Right well, you were there at that one. And I, that was one of the first things I said to her. I was like, Natasha, that, that image of you there is, is, is Im- implanted in my brain. Like that is, that is who is the essence of you. That is the essence of you. So, you know, once you establish a connection and, have, and start talking to people, we are the same. We want the same things. And I think as well the diversity of opinion among our mob is our strength. Mm. For too long, I think Australia has expected us to all speak with the one voice. Mm-hmm. And here we have, I think, a real chance to open up this space to really, I think, provide an opportunity 
for the diversity of our views yeah. through the, you know, enshrining this principle of the voice in the constitution on October 14. And and doing doing the referendum road trip, um, the, the NITV team, it's, it's a brilliant example of community engagement done well because they go ahead of time. They mm. sit and have permission of the elders. We record a welcome to country with with a traditional owner that goes on, that's uh, part of the, the episode that goes to where, but that's already been done before we even record it. You know, we are welcomed into that place and we have a really good understanding of the issues that are happening there and we just allow the time to be able to share the issues and share our concerns. And I mean, these are these are really important conversations that you're having and giving people a platform that they might not normally get to talk about issues that up until you guys come into town, they certainly mm. wouldn't think that mainstream media care or, or want to even know, yeah. to hear about these issues or their yeah, point of view. That's exactly right. Uh, and a lot of the um, articles that you read... Um, Tarnine Onus Brown is is another example. Um, I spoke to her on the or ten years first midday, which is my my other job, um, and uh, and she was framed in in a uh, newspaper article as um, a member of the Black Sovereignty Movement who has recently gone from a no to a yes. Afterwards, when I spoke to Tarnine, uh, Tarnine said, um, "Well, actually, that was months ago. <laughs> this was something <laughs> that happened months ago, not days ago." and the whole black sovereignty movement thing, I don't really know where that came from. This is not my story. This story has kind of been hijacked, if you like. It's kind of by association. So that's that's a really good example. Nothing is as it seems because it, things have been twisted. And then things are also twisted within the article because the headline doesn't go with the article. Sometimes the headline is so misleading, but then you read the words and the article is fine but it's the headline that's mis- misleading. But people don't read. No. People only read the headline. headline. Exactly. And look, I can even, you know, say even as someone who has been on the front line of uh, the movement for for a long time now, having witnessed the way in which mainstream media has manipulated, mm-hmm. um, you know, my own advocacy and distorted the truth of, I think, this entire movement um, has really, I think, been detrimental for us as a nation because now where it's so important to distinguish fact from fiction and understand the truth in moving forward to redefining our nation's future, um, I feel very let down by mainstream media and I'm so grateful for kind of, you know, the spaces that you guys have created at NITV um, with the referendum road trip to be able to hold that space Mm. for our community. When we spoke last time, Mm. you commented about the responsibility of the media in this referendum and how the lines between factual, objective reporting and commentary were blurring even at that early stage. As journalists and as reporters, we're not meant to be commentators, Mm. but when there is language that introduces the voice to parliament like the divisive voice to parliament, who's written divisive? That's been been a journalist who's meant to, you know, take the the fear and, and just put the facts in. That's that's commentary mm. that's infiltrated journalism. So it depends who who's who's telling it, and it depends if it's if it's an opinion piece, if it's an op-ed, or if it's uh, a commentator versus a reporter or a journalist. You know, all these mm. things you can't just read something on face value. You have to look at everything around how this how it's presented. So is that 
continued to be an issue in your mind? I think, you know, especially fulfilling your role, one, I think foremost as a uh, First Nations woman, but as a journalist. Yes, those issues are still there. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> when, I was, when I was interviewing John Anderson in particular, like w- when you're interviewing someone, you have the power, you can, you can stop and say, oh, I'm going to fact check you there or no, what you're saying is wrong. But when, when you're not, when you don't have the power, when you're not holding the microphone, you can't say that. You're relying on other people to do their job. And there are lies going unchecked. You know, the biggest one, which is just that it has just been run with. And that is now also almost become so entrenched in people's minds that they think that, that you, you often walk past people and go, oh, well, there's no detail. And who, you know, what, why, why would we be voting for something that we don't know about? You're not, there's not meant to be detail. There's no detail by design. The detail comes later and is debated by our members of parliament who are the people saying there's no detail. They know there's not meant to be detail. You know, that is like the fundamental lie that's being told that they are not being checked on. Yeah, and so... that that went unchecked for so long out From the beginning till now, it's still unchecked. And they just get away with it. And the thing that angers me the most is that they know what they're saying. They know what they're saying is wrong because they have the power to create the detail. They will be the ones creating the voice department. that is their role. That's their role. It is literally stipulated as well in the amendment Mm. that parliament ought to be having the power to make the legislation in relation to the detail. that's That's the biggest thing journos get wrong. With the way that this conversation has been played out publicly and in the media, again, from your experience being out on country and speaking to so many people, what what, what has their take been towards the way that this has all played out in front of them where they haven't, until you've come and chatted to them, haven't really had a say or or Mm. had their opinion be shared? They've felt it so deeply. They've felt racism Uh, again. You know, the same sorts of... Uh, rhetoric that we heard during an, the native title debate and all of those all of those other debates throughout history and they they're feeling that people are talking about them without them mm. and 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 I, as i've said in the past uh, by people who don't know them uh, natasha wanganine in that grab said that she feels uncomfortable that people are voting about her future that have never met her and and have never never met first nations people i mean it's it's true mm. um it's brought up so much and it, the prime minister was right to to say before he handed down a budget uh, a long time ago that you know, money's being set aside millions of dollars is being set aside for first nations mental health because it is impacting it's impacting it's impacting everyone it's impacting our elders it's impacting young people absolutely um, we're being we're hearing people talk about us that have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, no, you know, I'm even getting calls from elders at home really concerned about what they're witnessing on mainstream. MC, you were even saying, like, probably for the first time, you're copying it as a white fella. It's funny, it's funny. Even I'm I'm copying it, DMs from, from friends that I used to know going, why why are you supporting this? Do you not know the damage that you're doing? Like, what what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? If I'm copying it, I can only imagine what it's like for First Nations people uh, vulnerable First Nations people who have no way to defend themselves. With all the conversations that you've had, is there any one conversation that really sticks out or a story or or a concern or an opinion that one person have shared 
that's really stuck with you throughout yeah. this entire process and journey? Well, the, the last the last episode we had on the road was in Roeburn at the at, at a place where a 16-year-old boy was bashed by four police officers and he died in custody. And those police officers were all acquitted. They had done nothing wrong. John Pat's death sparked the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. This is the same state in WA where there is a juvenile detention centre called Bankshire Hill Detention Centre and they still lock up in solitary confinement children but in their isolation cells. They lock children up in isolation, breaching the human rights of a child that has been declared by the UN in, in, in absolute breach of that. We had the Attorney General, the WA Attorney General, John Quigley, on that episode and we were talking about Bankshire Hill uh, and the detention of children and also raising the age, which he claimed WA was a leader, but they haven't done anything yet. And he's kind of, you know, got his arms up in the air going, government doesn't have the solutions. Sam Walker is a community member and she works mm. at the uh, Nagara Media uh, Organisation. And she, as soon as he said, government don't have solutions, she says, attorney, we have the solutions. She just, she stared right between his eyes and said, we have the solutions. We've always had the solutions. And then Clinton Walker then talked about programs that have come and gone because they haven't had the funding. You know, they, programs that were successful in keeping children out. This is the Pilbara we're talking about. Children having to be sent hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away to detention in uh, on Nyungar country in, in the southwest of WA. You know, so that's the sort of thing. We're getting people together to have meetings. They're actually, they're meetings where solutions uh, are being discussed. And, and these people know what the solutions are. They know what is needed. If only there was a way, if only there was a way <laughs> to somehow get these solutions from the people who are subject matter, subject matter experts to the government <laughs> to yes. advise them so that these problems could be fixed in future. If I, oh, wait, there's a <laughs> referendum on a voice happening in less than two weeks. Yes. Now, there was a poll that came out this week and there is still a really large portion of the population that are unsure. For those that, for whatever reason, haven't engaged in the conversation up until this point and haven't really thought about what it is they're going to do, whether it's yes or no, there are people voting in early polling places as we speak, which are open at the moment. Could be someone listening to this podcast for the very first time. Narelda, for that person, what would you tell them? What should they know and what should they be thinking before they head to that ballot box it doesn't take long to read the Uluru Statement from the Heart. It doesn't take long to read the amendments to the Constitution that will be asked, do you support these amendments to the Constitution? Vote yes, write yes or no. It doesn't take long to read that. Sit with it. Eliminate all the noise. Eliminate anything you've ever heard a politician say, including the... Ignore <laughs> <laughs> politicians <laughs> from here on out. Look, that is great advice. Including, including the Prime Minister, because this is not the Prime Minister's idea. This has come from First Nations people. It comes from the Uluru Statement from the heart. That's where it comes from. I think of my dad who died waiting for an opportunity like this. For Rachel Perkins' dad, Charles Perkins, who died waiting for an opportunity like this. We cannot waste, we cannot waste this opportunity. Your pop, Teela... My pop. I mean, he would have loved, he would yeah. have loved it. 
He would have absolutely told me to never shut up and keep standing up for what I believe in and uh, continue. I think because either side of this, we know as well as black followers that there is work to do. Yeah. Whatever happens on October 14th, we wake up on October 15th with still a future and a legacy we need to leave for the next generation. Yeah. And don't judge First Nations people on the people that you see in public life in high-profile jobs. You know, you're, Tila, you're a lawyer. Mm. I'm a news newsreader. There is so much disadvantage amongst First Nations people. There is so much disadvantage that began in 1788. There's so much intergenerational trauma. And we know that the impacts of that are medical and those medical impacts are handed down from generation to generation. And they need generations to heal. Think of those impacts and we have the chance to reverse them. <laughs> we, have, we have the chance by writing yes or no, we have the chance to change the trajectory of outcomes for First Nations people in this country. It's as simple as that. We have the chance to make history here. We're making history. We are making history. And at the end of each episode, we like to talk about a First Nations word and what it means because language matters to us too. Now, Narelda, last time you were here, you shared a Noongar word for knowledge. That's Karajin. Mm. Um, would you be happy to share with us a word today? Uh, Murich. Murich. You yes. know, you know Murich. Murich. Oh, look, on October 14th um, in the evening or maybe the next day or I don't know when the result's going to, when we're going to know the result, but I want Australia to be Murich, which means good, excellence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she was our first guest. You are now our first return guest, as always. It's an absolute honour and a pleasure. Narelda, thank you so much for joining us on Black Matters again this thank week. Thank you, MC. Thank you, Tida. Don't forget, there's also heaps more of Black Matters episodes for you to listen to. Why do we acknowledge country, the history of treaty and voice, what to expect in the lead up, plus so much more. And make sure you watch Norelda on NITV's The Point as well. And the first episode when she was our first guest here on Black Matters as well, talking about the highs and lows of the King's Birthday Honours. Now, we'll be back next week. Next week is a hugely important episode because... This will be the final episode before we head to those ballot boxes. So here's your homework. All right, here's your homework. Do your research. Do what you need to do between now and then so that when you head that ballot box, you're making an informed decision. And on the episode next week, we can't wait to have him. Stan Grant going to be on Black Matters next oh, week wow. as we get ready for this referendum, which is super exciting. Narelda, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you, MC. More <laughs> Thanks, Chioga. Yeah, and Tila, lovely to see you again. Oh, my God. Yes, Big Daddy, you're back. We'll see you next week on Black Matters. (laughs) 